Good morning. Morning. Is it is it cold enough for you out there? No, not yet. Uh, you still want it to be cold? I have misplaced my good pick. Where's my good pick? Okay. Spare pick. Praise the Lord that Jesus is alive and he is alive forever and ever. Amen. Will you stand with us and let's sing together. Here we go. Forever, amen. Worthy is the 
Be seated. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning is, and, and welcome to First Baptist Church this morning as we begin to worship. If you're a guest with us, we just want to uh, say especially good morning and, and a welcome to you, a warm welcome. You'll see a little guest registration card there in the pew rack in front of you, that little white card. And if you can fill that out, it's a great way for us to get to know you by name. Uh, we'd love to reach out to you, tell you more about our church. You can uh, indicate on there ways that we can pray for you. You can indicate on there to receive our newsletter so you know about uh, the life and the ministry of our church. We've got a lot of things going on in our church, and we want you to be informed about those things. As we kind of turn our hearts and prepare our minds this morning to hear from God's Word and, and uh, to, to direct our lives in that same way, I want us just to read a couple of verses to see how David describes God's Word as we consider uh, theology this morning. Let Let me read a couple of verses in Psalm chapter 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Let's begin this morning with prayer. God, we thank you for your word, that it revives our souls, that it enlightens our, our, our eyes, that helps us, Lord, to live life. And as we dig into your word today, Father, I pray that it shapes us, that it molds us, it transforms us into the Christ followers that you've called us to be. We thank you for your love, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Can you stand once more with us? I love this song by Matt Papa called It Is Finished. It is finished, it is done. 
trembled, the sun bowed its head. The veil of the temple was opened for man. As Jesus went down in the cold of the grave, defeated the darkness when he overcame. The keys of the kingdom were placed into hands of children and priests and of fishers of men. Oh, 
Just with your voices. All of you is more than enough for all of me for every thirst and fill it with harmony. Every need you satisfy me with your love and all I have in you is more than enough and all I have in you is more than enough sing that and all I have in you is more than enough I love this song I mean I love this poem that I found the poem slash prayer says just in just Jesus is enough enough love Enough peace, enough strength, enough contentment, enough joy. When we're stressed out by Christmas preparations, Jesus is enough. When our kids are driving us crazy, Jesus is enough. When our neighbors are less than neighborly, Jesus is enough. When the news from the doctor is unsettling, Jesus is enough. When the next report of terrorism hits the news, Jesus is enough. When life gets turned upside down, Jesus, you are enough. Help us to replace every anxiety written, written, dissatisfied thought with these words Jesus is enough. You get-
gave up a throne for a manger and traded a crown for a cross. You laid down your life for a stranger and for all who are broken and lost. You came down from the heavens so we would know how deep, how high, how long, and how wide, and how far Thou goes. You went to the darkest of places. Walk down the loneliest road. You looked into lost, empty faces and told us we're never alone. You came down from the heavens so we would know how deep, how come before you this morning just thanking you for your love, thanking, for, thanking you for just being our Savior and our God, never giving up on us. Most of, most of all, Lord, I pray thanking you that you are enough, enough for all that life throws at us, throws at us. You are enough. And so, Lord, we come before you this morning just having lifted up our hearts and praise to put a smile on your face. I pray now that you'll be with Dr. Cox as he comes and brings the message. Open our hearts, pierce us uh, to the core that when we leave this place, we'll be different than we came because we have experienced God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Please be seated.
Good morning. Good to see you on a frosty fall morning. Glad you're here and good to worship with you today. I'm uh, completing today a four-part sermon series on what Christians believe about people, what the Bible teaches about people, because that's where we get our beliefs. Just review with you for a moment. We've learned so far in the first week that all people are created in the image of God. You're valuable. You're precious. You reflect the glory of God by nature of your humanness. We've learned, secondly, that all people are created as boys or girls. In our confused world, we need the message that gender is a sovereign gift of God, a good gift of us to give us to be received with thanksgiving. And our sexuality is to be expressed in His plan for us. Then last week, we learned that all people are sinners in need of a Savior. Our moral nature is corrupted. We've all turned away. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked, and we need a Savior. Well, today we come to the final part of this series, and I want to share one more basic fundamental truth about people. Christians believe that all people have bodies and souls. Every person has a body, you probably got that, and a soul. And both are good, and both are important to your Christian life. Share with you opening verse, it's 2 John verse 3. It says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. Do you hear the two parts there? Both are important. And we're concerned about physical health and the body, and that's good. And we also ought to be concerned that our souls are getting along well. That's the two parts of us. You have two parts to your nature. They form one whole, one person. So let's talk about those. First of all, let's talk about the body, what Christians believe about the body. And there are two extremes, two mistakes that we can make in how we view our bodies. The first is to have too low a view of your body. Uh, to the view that the body is evil, that physical stuff is evil, or that the body is of, of not important, or it's inferior. And that's not the view of Christianity. Now, that's the view that the Corinthians had. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13. Paul deals with a problem there, and he says, You say, so he's quoting the Corinthians in the rest of this verse, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. That's a low view of the body. They said, hey, this body isn't going to last very long. It's going to die. It's going to be destroyed. So it doesn't really matter what you do with it. Food for the body, God will destroy them both. And let me tell you, from the context, they weren't just talking about food. They were primarily talking about sex. And what they were saying was that, hey, yeah, we're Christians, but it doesn't really matter how, what we do with our bodies because the body's just temporary and it's going to be gone. So they were separating soul and body, depreciating the body, and, and they were using that as an excuse to live an immoral lifestyle. Now, I have to say, there are a lot of Christians who are doing the same thing today. They say, oh, I love Jesus and, and my, he saved my soul, but with my body, I'm going to live an immoral lifestyle. And you can't separate the two. That's a low view of the body. That's a view that the body is not important to your Christian life, to your spirituality. And many Christians are buying in that to that today. And they say, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I, I love God. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm living with somebody. I'm having sex outside of marriage. 
And that's the low view of the body reflected here. Let's see what Paul said in response to what they were saying in verse 13. In verse 15, he says, Do you not know that your bodies, here's the theology of the body from a Christian viewpoint, your bodies are members of Christ himself. Shall I take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. He's saying you need to have a higher view of your body because when you become a Christian, you're joined to Jesus. And that just doesn't mean your soul or your spirit. That means all of you and your body is a member of the body of Christ and your body is sacred and holy and you're going to take the body of Christ and do something with it. And then he says another reason for a higher view of the body. He says in verse Uh, 19, do you not know, he says it again, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your body, and your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And this church building is not the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's special. We gather here. But even more, where the Spirit resides is in you. And there are people who, oh, I wouldn't do anything to desecrate the church building, but we desecrate our bodies. And so what, whatever you put in your body or how you treat your body or you abuse your body is a holy thing because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit and because your body doesn't belong to you anymore, it says. You've been ransomed, redeemed, bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You see how you can have too low a view of your body? Are you doing anything to abuse your body or the substances you're putting into your body? Are, are, you, are you involving your body in any activity? And you've sort of made a separation there and... You can have too low of your view of your body. And the Bible says it's an important part of your spirituality. It's a member of Christ and a temple of the Holy Spirit, and it belongs to Jesus. Now, there's another extreme, opposite extreme, and that is to have too high a view of the body. And this is probably where more Americans are because we're just obsessed with the physical today. All of our celebrities are good-looking people, right? We don't want to watch any ugly people on television or movies. We, we just fawn over the best looking. And we're all about reversing aging and slowing aging. And, and, we, and we nip and tuck and tone and tan and do everything that we can. And there's nothing wrong with that if you can... If you can bleach it or bronze it or buff it or pluck it or wax it or, or, you know, whatever you can do, that's fine. But let me tell you a couple things. First of all, you're fighting a losing battle. You really are. The Bible says the outward is wasting away. The inner is being renewed every day. It's a battle you're going to lose. And it doesn't have that long-term benefit. Let me read to you 1 Timothy 4.8. For physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And so there's a balance there. And the, you can have too low a view of the body, you can have too high a view of the body, where all of your obsession and your activity is simply to to make your body better, and you can get far out of balance there. Are, are you giving as much attention to your spiritual health as to your physical health, to how you look to God on the inside as how you look to people on the outside? And I want to say to you, 
uh, parents that I'm really concerned that we, many parents, Christian parents today, are sending a wrong message to their children about which is more important, the physical or the spiritual. It used to be that, that sports um, for kids uh, did not ever practice or play on a Wednesday night or a Sunday, and now that sacred territory is gone and more and more Christian parents are choosing to have their kids in sports on Sundays than, on, uh, than in church. And what you're saying to your kids is, oh, we're Christians, but, but the, the physical is more important than the spiritual. The, the, we're, your advancement in sports and your body is far more important. And you're sending that message to your kids in, the, in what you do. And we need to recover this, that 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 physical training has some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present and the life to come. What message are you sending to your family about which is most important when you let other things take precedence over the training of the soul? Now, let me read to you what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You can have too high a view of the body, too low a view of the soul. Where you are so concerned about the physical and you're so concerned about uh, uh, outer things that you neglect that which is on the inside. Well, let's talk about the soul for a moment then. What do Christians believe about the soul? Now, if you're a materialist, you believe there is no soul. You believe that the body is all there is. Materialists believe that uh, uh, there's nothing more than the body, that our consciousness, our, our emotions, our thought processes are all just chemicals from our brain. And so when, our, when we're dead, we're gone. There's nothing more. But that's not what we as Christians believe and, and I think truly that's not what we feel inside of ourselves. We know that there are two parts to us, both a physical and a spiritual. The psalmist said in Psalm 42.1, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. And there is within you a part that is made for a relationship with God. There's a spiritual dimension to your life that is just as real as your body. You have a soul. And Jesus talked about that when he said in, in Matthew chapter 10, 28, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. And so he says there that uh, the soul has that great, great value. Now, there are some Christians who believe that there are three parts to us rather than two. I've spoken of body and soul, and some would say because there are two verses that mention body, soul, and spirit. In 1, Corinthians chapter, 1 Thessalonians 5 and Hebrews 4, there's verses that mention body, soul, and spirit. So they'd say, well, there's three parts to us. We've got a soul and a spirit. But I believe that the Bible uses these two words interchangeably, as I'm going to show you, that the spirit is essentially another way of saying your soul. It is the spiritual dimension of you. It is your, your soul or your spirit is that which is spiritual. And, and they're used interchangeably throughout uh, Scripture. You've got a dimension to you, your spirit, your soul, that's real. 
Now, when you die, your soul or your spirit is going to be separated from your body. Your spirit leaves your body when you die. Read to you about the death of Jesus in John chapter 19, verse 30. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So it's possible for the spirit to be separated from the body. That's what happened to Jesus when he died. His spirit left his body. And it speaks that of Stephen and others in the Bible as well, that same phraseology of the spirit leaving the body. Death is the separation of your spirit or your soul from your body. It's going to return to God. And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then your spirit's going to go to be with him. You're going to go to heaven when you die. Read it to you in uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 43. Just before Jesus had said, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit, there had been a conversation with one of the thieves that was crucified alongside him. And this thief had expressed his faith in Jesus, and Jesus turned to him and said, truly, I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, Jesus' body was going to be put in a tomb, but his spirit, his soul was going to go to paradise. And he was saying to this thief, because you've expressed repentance and because you've expressed faith in me, today your spirit's going to leave your body and you, your spirit, your soul is going to be with me in paradise. His his body was probably maybe buried or thrown out to the animals by the Romans. I don't know what happened to that thief's body. But his spirit today is going to be with me in paradise. Now, not everybody believes this. For example, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe that the bot- spirit can be separated from the body. They don't believe you're gonna, your spirit's going to go to heaven when you die. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that when you're dead, you're extinguished. You no longer exist. Both your spirit and your soul are gone. Uh, your spirit and your body are gone. And that God would resurrect you or bring you back at the last day. Let me read to you Jehovah's Witness. Have a translation called the New World Translation of this same verse. Now, do you, you remember or you saw how, how, what Jesus said? And Jesus said, truly today you'll be with me in paradise? Well, look what they do. Truly I tell you today you'll be with me in paradise. So they just moved the comma over very conveniently, you see, and put the comma after today. And so now they're saying Jesus said that today, but he didn't mean he'd be with him today. He meant much later. Well, that's not a good translation. You don't want to use the New World translation. That's Jehovah Witness translation. They changed the Bible because they don't believe that you're going to go to, your spirit's going to go to heaven immediately when you die. So they, they need to change this verse to make it fit. The same thing is true of Seventh-day Adventists. Seventh-day Adventists believe that when you die, both your soul and your body are in the grave. They've ceased to exist until the resurrection. And so they change this verse in their translation as well. In the Clear Word Bible, which is sold by Seventh-day Adventists, they translate this verse this way. I promise you today, do the same thing as Jehovah Witness, move the comma, but then they add some more. When I return with the glory of my Father, I'll take you home with me to paradise. Well, Jesus didn't say that. They just added that in there to fit their beliefs. He didn't say, when I return with the glory of my Father. And, and so they, but to fit their belief, they've changed the Word of God at that point. Jesus is clearly saying, 
Today you will be with me in paradise. No Greek scholar would say either of these translations is accurate. Let me read to you another place in Scripture where it clearly says that when you die, that if you believed in Jesus, you'll, your spirit will leave your body and you'll be with him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, we know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. So right now, you're at home in your body, aren't you? Right? Your spirit, your soul is in your body. That's the, the way God made you. But you're away from the Lord. You, you just believe in him by faith. You don't see him, do you? He's in heaven. You're here. And so you have to live the Christian life by faith. But it says in verse 8, just a couple of verses later, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, we know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord, and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So when you, are, when you die, your spirit is going to move out. It's going to be away from the body, but at home with the Lord. And so the spirit of Abraham and Isaac and David and Samuel and all of those and your loved ones that you've had to put in a grave and, and to say goodbye to, those who have trusted in Jesus their spirits still live right now. They're with the Lord in heaven. And we can take great comfort in that. And somebody, Halloween was just a few weeks ago. Somebody asked me, uh, Pastor, do you believe in ghosts? And uh, the answer to that is, well, yes, I believe in ghosts. Not the kind of the bed sheet with the eyes cut out kind of ghosts. But ghost is... Uh, old English word that means a spirit. And uh, the spirits of those who have gone before us are still alive in heaven. Abraham's alive now. And on the mountain, and usually God does not permit spirits to come back to this world like all of our ghost stories are. But God on rare occasions has done that in the Bible. The Mount of Transfiguration they're Moses and Elijah. God allowed their spirits to come back. They've not yet been resurrected. We allowed their spirits to come back and to testify that Jesus was the Son of God. There are spirits in heaven right now who are real. But that's not the end of our hope. Some people think that's all we Christians are, are talking about. When you die, oh, this body, it's just a shell. I hear people some say, oh, this body, it doesn't matter. It's just an old shell and we're just like a snake skin. We're going to shed this old skin, and we're going to be free of it and going to be gone one day. That's not, the, that's not the Christian hope. It's not just a shell. God made you body and spirit. We've already seen your body has great implications for your Christian life. It's very important. And so, yes, there's going to be a time between now and when Jesus returns when your spirit is separated from your body, but that's a temporary existence. That's not the full extent of our hope. God made you spirit and body, and he means for it to be a unit again. And God doesn't just save souls. God saves souls and bodies. He does everything well. He does everything completely. And so it says in Romans 8, 23, we eat, wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. He's going to redeem our bodies 
Oh, that's a good word if you're suffering with cancer. It's a good word if you're just getting older and things are going downhill and, and it gets sort of depressing sometimes. It's a good word when you have some limitations in your body and you struggle with this jar of clay in which we live. God's going to redeem our bodies. He's going to fix this stuff. He's going to make it right. The model for that is Jesus. Let me read to you in Luke chapter 24. Verse 36, about when Jesus was raised from the dead. So he was raised out of time for our benefit, earlier than, than all the rest of us, the first fruits. And it tells of his, one of his resurrection appearances in Luke 24, verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. It's the same word spirit, pneuma, translated spirit most other places in the New Testament. They thought they saw the spirit of Jesus or the ghost of Jesus. Now, they, these Jews believed in the resurrection of the dead at the end of time. They were looking for that. But what was, what's new here is that somebody could be resurrected now. Jesus, the first fruits of resurrection. So they're seeing Jesus. His spirit is recognizable. His ghost is recognizable to them, they think. And so they think, this is, oh, he's come back. The spirit of Jesus has come back. It was more than that. Jesus says to them, he said to them, verse 38, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It's I myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He's doing everything he can, touching, eating, to show I'm not just a spirit, just a ghost. Yes, by Jesus, his, between the, his death on the cross on Friday and his resurrection on Sunday, his body was in the tomb, his spirit was with the Father, but his spirit on Easter Sunday morning was rejoined to that body and reanimated in a glorified way, and now he's in that new resurrection body that somehow can appear there in the midst of them and yet is touchable and eatable and all of those kind of things, and they're just astounded. And that's the model for what's going to happen to us. If you believe in Jesus and you die before he comes, then your spirit's going to leave your body and you're going to go and be with him and you're going to be there with all those who have gone before and with Jesus and you're going to be waiting that resurrection and then one day when the trumpet sounds and Jesus comes back your spirit's going to come down and re-inhabit your body I don't care if it's been cremated lost at war lost at sea where it is God can bring molecules back together and he's going to save you body and soul it says in Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 and 21 our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his heavenly glorious body and so what happened to Jesus is going to happen to you, and you're going to be raised from the dead, not just a spirit in heaven, but in a new heaven and a new earth. 
We walk and we talk and we work and we play and we hug and we sing and we run because he saves our spirits and he saves our bodies and he'll complete that work so that we'll be whole again. And this is another reason that you honor God with your body because your body has eternal significance. Yes, greatly transformed, but it's still you. It's still your body. Is there a balance in your life? Do you have that Christian view of body and soul? Could it be that you've had too low a view of your body? And you're not honoring God with your body? It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Could it be you've had too high a view of your body? And you're all about the physical and the outer and appearance. And that's where your attention is. And your soul is dwarfed because you have not heard the words of Jesus who said, what does it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? There's a spiritual part to you that hungers for a relationship with God. It was created for that, and you'll never find rest until you find rest in God. You are a spiritual being, and your spirit yearns for Him, and it is in a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus, that you will find satisfaction and wholeness. And if you want to invest your life, invest your life in that which will have eternal consequences and if you're struggling with the physical would you hear the word of he says hey I'm going to save your soul and I'm going to save your body and I'm going to make you whole again forever in a new heaven and a new earth let's pray together oh God help us to view ourselves and others as you see us I pray if there's a person here today who feels that stirring in their soul to relationship with you that right now in a moment when we sing, they'll walk forward and open their soul and their heart to Jesus so that he might transform us soul and body. I pray, Lord, if there are those of us who are Christians and have not been offering our whole selves to you, that we will, as Paul said, present our bodies as living sacrifices. So some of us need to do that now. Oh, Lord, we, we want to give ourselves to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand together with me? Today you want that wholeness. You want Christ into your life. You want to know that you'll survive death, that you'll go to heaven, that you'll be a part of the resurrection. You can. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. God's given us eternal life in Jesus. Would you come and put your faith in him? I invite you to walk forward while we're singing. Meet me here or another pastor and somebody can pray with you if you need help. If you want to join our church, we'd welcome you. If you've already been baptized or you want to be baptized next Sunday, we'd welcome you to come. If you want somebody to pray with you, you're welcome to come. Let's sing together. All of you is more than enough for all of me for every Thursday every need you satisfy me with your love and all I have in you is more than enough
for a moment more if you will we're going to give our offerings now as we give back to a God who's given to us if you have a guest card or prayer card you can also place that in the offering plate would you pray with me a most kind gracious Lord we're thankful for this day we're thankful for all that you've given us Lord we're thankful for this opportunity to come and learn the lessons you taught us today Lord it reminds us of the prayer we were taught when we were young. Oh, Lord, if I should die before I wake, I pray to you, Lord, my soul to take. Lord, we are also reminded that Jesus is enough. Lord, we ask that you bless these offerings that we bring to you today, Lord. We ask that you bless the the ones giving this offering, Lord. All these things we ask in your name. Amen.
Hey, I want to say a word about Finish Line. Finish Line is our three-year capital giving campaign to pay off our loan, our new building, and to build additional parking. We started in June, the first Sunday in June, 121 families in our church committed to give $536,000 over the next three years, next uh, 156 weeks. Just want to give you an update. We're five months in, and last Sunday was a milestone. We crossed the $100,000 mark in the first five months of that campaign. That's incredible. And so we just want to give glory to God and thanks to you for your giving. Keep it up. So we're going to celebrate today. We want to celebrate every milestone. So today we have a hundred grand candy bar for you. They're at the Welcome Center. They're out in the foyer. So pick up your candy bar, eat it, and give glory to God as you eat that candy bar for his goodness to us, okay? Tim's going to come share some announcements about some things happening and close us out. We got several uh, great announcements here, so I'm going to just run through a few of them. Remember, the world's mission offering is is available. We're in a season of giving for that. Operation Christmas Child. Those shoe boxes are due next Sunday, so don't forget those. They're moved out of here relatively quickly right after that, so don't forget it next Sunday. Uh, we've got our Gospel Roots concert next Sunday, and four tickets coming up as well. You want to be reminded about those events. And finally, we've got uh, Upward Basketball. We're in need of some coaches, and so we need about five more coaches to have enough coaches for each of our team. So if you want to maybe help with refing or help in some other way, but primarily we need coaches. Um, you know, maybe you're sitting there thinking, ah, oh, there's a lot of people in the room. Somebody else will do it. Well, let me tell you, it's you that needs to do it. That's the Spirit telling you, here's a way you can serve and help. And so if you're able to help in any way in Upward, come and, and participate in that ministry. It's a great outreach to our community. And um, Shonda, our rec director, will be out at the welcome desk after service. So as you exit, you can head down there to the left. And maybe if you've got questions or, um, you know, maybe you want to have your agent negotiate your contract with her, you can do that. Uh, whatever you want to do, if you have questions about some way you can serve or just to tell her, hey, I'm here to coach, you can see her out there at the welcome desk as we close. Remember, tonight is our Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, don't miss out on that. You'll see all the good food that's going to be provided and things that you need to bring. That's in here as well. And we just want to close by, by saying a special thanks here to veterans on our Veterans Day and to remind you guys to please come tonight to uh, the Thanksgiving dinner as well because we'd like to just to highlight you and thank you uh, specifically tonight at our Thanksgiving dinner. So don't miss out on that event. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that, uh, that if, uh, if you want to buy tickets for the, uh, uh, the, the concert next Sunday night, you can get those in the parlor today uh, between uh, this service and the next service. So, so you can go get those in the parlor today. I encourage you to get them uh, soon because uh, they're, they're going fast. So do that today. And they can pay with cash. Yeah, oh, you can pay with cash yeah, today too if you, or credit card, whatever. Check, crash, c- cash. Okay. Anyway, cr- crash and get it card. I just want to be a blessing, that's all. I just want to be a blessing. You're such a blessing, Todd. Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you for uh, the men and women in this room who are veterans who uh, have potentially, uh, we know some have gone to be with you already, but, but all of them have risked their lives so that we can have freedom and, and to be able to enjoy this beautiful nation that we have. And so, God, we just want to thank uh, all of those who have, have served in any branch of the military, Father. We just uh, want to pause and, and, and uh, thank them for our freedom. 
Lord, as, as we close today, we just are, are mindful of so many ways that we can serve and so many ways that we can help others in our community. And so I, I pray that you just impress those upon our hearts. Uh, we're thankful uh, for all that you've done for us. And God, we pray that you help us to be a blessing to others. Lord, it's in your sons and we pray. Amen. Worthy is the Lamb, worthy of our praise. Worthy is the one who has overcome the grave. Let the people dance, let the people sing. Worthy is the mighty King. Worthy is the Lamb, worthy of our praise. Worthy is the one who has overcome the grave. Let the people dance, let the people sing. Worthy is the mighty King. Alive, alive, alive,
Thank you.